the incomparable. Number 563, April 2021. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about a movie from 2008. Uh, you, you might remember it. You might not. I don't know. Do people remember this movie? It's Cloverfield, a monster movie, a found footage movie. It's so many different genres. It's a, it's a kaiju movie. It, it, it's so many different genres. Uh, and I got to say, I loved this movie. When it came out, I watched it. I thought it was amazing, and I haven't seen it since. So I revisited it for this podcast. We'll see how I feel about it now. Uh, joining me to talk about uh, the f- flying head of the Statue of Liberty and whether it's the right size or not are the following people. Annette Weirstra is here. Hello. Hello. I'm really excited to probably not rescue all my friends from monsters, but maybe I will. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Uh, you know, it's hard to survive a monster attack is, is one is. of the things that we've learned. James Thompson is also here. Hello. Jason, are you aware of Garfield? <laughs> <laughs> it's a woo. Uh, Gene McDonald also joins us. Hi. Hi. I don't know why this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> and in the corner wearing a slusho t-shirt, it's Moises Chuyan. Hello. Coincidentally, I do own that slusho T-shirt mm. from the movie. Um, oh. Jason, does does this bite look bad to you? Though I'm getting concerned. <laughs> well, there are several moments in Cloverfield where you have to ask yourself the question: What kind of movie is this? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, are there little are there little monsters too? Uh, is a bite going to make you you know like I don't know what is that is it that kind of oh it's it is also that kind it of is. movie. All right, it's always is, is the, the answer is, is always yes. Yeah, is this that kind of monster movie where I, I kind of don't care about anybody except for somebody who yeah. dies early on? Yeah, it's so okay. I, I'm interested to see how everybody feels about this movie. Let me give you my um, explanation for why I chose this movie and why I loved it so much in 2008. Which is, um, as a kid, I grew up around big lumbering people in rubber suits walking through little model towns movies right godzilla all the original godzillas all the all the spin-off things with like ultraman and stuff where there's like so many especially japanese uh, movies and tv shows about this you know this kind of genre you're 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 obviously king kong godzilla the classics of the genre uh kong versus godzilla just came out so like it, it's it's still with us to this day um and also 2008 Seven years after 9-11, um, what really impressed me about this movie is it is at the ground level using the audience's very fresh in 2008 understanding of the utter destruction that can happen in urban settings because of 9-11. There, there are shots fairly early on in this movie that are absolutely just repeating shots from news footage from 9-11. To tell a story that is, uh, I mean, it, there's a lot of adrenaline here. It, we could talk about whether found footage is, it, whether it needed to be a found footage movie or not. I think it's kind of effective, but it's also kind of unnecessary. But like, uh, what ultimately what I walk away from Cloverfield with, beyond the fact that it is a nice 85-minute shot of adrenaline, uh, is that I felt like it did right by the giant monster movie genre by saying this is what it's like for all those people running around down there on the ground in all of those other monster movies it's horrible 
and they're all gonna die. And I I don't know. I like I really liked that that this movie um did that and and took our like obviously the early like Godzilla. Uh, all of those early Japanese movies and TV shows about this are are based in the destruction of Japan in World War II. And I felt taking the knowledge of an American audience, especially about 9-11, and using that to tell this story was uh, kind of a, a brilliant move. So that's that's my opening statement about Cloverfield, is that I, I think I, it just hit me exactly right in terms of uh, what it's trying to do with some familiar stuff and p- mixing it together in a in a unique way anybody have any thoughts about that to start us off i think it works as found footage um and and is a big reason why it worked so well on audiences worked so well on me worked so well uh, upon rewatch it's not something that i i rewatch every year but i'll rewatch on occasion um the pseudo side stories that have uh, come out um in in its uh, in its wake um, in, in both yeah. cases, mm-hmm. many years after the first movie, um, don't, uh, you know, I, I, I they, they yeah, this have got, not, this got franchised in a very weird and kind of not yeah. connected way mm-hmm. that doesn't matter. Like how, how can JJ Abrams work out, um, features on his Paramount deal and also yeah. make them into Cloverfield movies without a whole lot of effort. Um, but you know, we, we can, we can talk about the, the, uh, invasion of Astro monster of those, um, later, I'm sure, but, uh, loving so many different kaiju movies, not just the, the mainline Godzilla movies, but, um, you know, series like Gamera and so on. Um, the, the, the choices that they make as to what they show us of the monster and when, what they tell us about the monster and when, um, is really satisfying. The most unsatisfying thing about it is, when when the movie came out the promise of there being more and then there wasn't more for (laughs) eight years and then when there was more it wasn't exactly a direct sequel and i still want more uh Mm. from these movies even though jj abrams's overall deals moved to warner brothers now and we may never see anything else um the 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 thing that i find myself um usually having trouble with in horror and suspense movies is when there's a gang of people usually in something like a Friday the 13th or a or Nightmare on Elm Street movie um, where, where I really don't care about any of the people in the group. In this movie, that's actually a positive for me uh, that I kind of don't care about <laughs> mm-hmm. these incredibly frivolous people that um, <laughs> that I just um, I'm, I'm curious about how they're going to die yeah. and when. Um, I like Lizzie Kaplan's character the most of all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, uh, as, as the, as the pseudo series has introduced multiverse stuff, maybe Lizzie Kaplan can come back in a future (laughs) installment in the series. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the fact that they, they, they cherry pick the information that they give us is so much of what makes the movie fun and interesting and a sort of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of monster movies where you're not constantly getting hero shots of the big monster. Um, you're getting weird oblique angles. Right. Behind obscured and, behind buildings. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, they, they drop a bunch of bombs on it and you see, you see it's outstretched hand claw down the side of a building and it, it almost looks beautiful if it weren't so destructive. Um, well, yeah, it's I obviously I adore the movie. Obviously JJ Abrams, Brian Burke, Drew Goddard, Matt Reeves, the kind of, team that put this thing together a lot of everybody worked together i think on alias <laughs> before they started making <laughs> movies um obviously they learned the lesson from jaws right that was clearly even though this this movie apparently started with jj abrams you know working 
um, with Neville Page to make a monster, they followed the rules of Jaws, which is it's scarier when you when you don't see it or you don't see mm-hmm. much of it. And um, I, I think that is part of the delight I take in it being a street level view of a giant monster is you can't really see it very well. It's just out there in the background and their stuff keeps exploding around you and it's very bad. I came into it um, through Alias because see Alias, I I just like live my life wishing I were Sydney Bristow. So when <laughs> this came out, I was like, "Well, JJ's doing minute, it. I'll not? check it out. I am Sydney Bristow. There we go. Shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, I've even taken kickboxing because <laughs> I like, love the wig. Like, you know, nice wig. Obsessed this week. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, and then for the monster movies, the the one that. Uh, I grew up with was seeing King Kong every New Year's. I feel like they showed it every New Year's for a lot of years when I was growing up and we'd sit and we'd watch that while our parents were all having some big party in the other room. And uh, yeah, so but I think what I like about this movie is it's so visceral in the experience of it where you are uh, effectively feeling like you're on the street and watching it and cutting in and out of that experience. And it it just keeps you moving so fast and I'm not bored, even though like not a ton is happening, but because they play up the tension of going back and forth. Plus I'm like super mad at Rob the entire time. because yeah. you're just like, <laughs> no, this is a really dumb idea. Whatever you're thinking, it's the wrong, you know, don't do it. Um, well, he, so, he's there because somebody has to get you in the middle of all exactly. this horrible stuff because a normal exactly. person would it's, not go toward the monster. Yeah. And <laughs> I get narratively, we need Rob to do this, but I'm also angry at him yeah. the whole time. But I just I love the glimpses. I love how they build the 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 tension of it. And I haven't seen it since like ages ago. And I kind of remembered it, but I, was, I feel like I liked it more hmm. rewatching it because uh, it just sort of, you know faded away and i hadn't thought about it in a really long time i saw it uh first on the big screen in the cinema and i not knowing very much about the movie was sat pretty close to the front (laughs) i feel that would be a mistake (laughs) it it was a mistake because this film made me quite nauseous yeah and uh there were warnings outside theaters saying you will you might feel motion sick if you watch this movie yeah and i Mm -hmm. i don't think there were because i think i saw it like probably i saw it day one right and it was like day two that after various people had complained <laughs> yes that they started putting up those signs james felt and, ill please don't be careful yes. in this film now yes and i think that possibly colored my initial impression of the movie because i, I was just feeling unwell but i hadn't watched it um since since i'd seen it then and it was interesting to re-watch it um and i think there's something about it because the conceit of the film that this is all filmed with a handheld video camera onto tape or SD card, and that's kind of confusing because they refer to both. Yeah. Um, the it's that sort of makes it a period piece in a way because mm-hmm. the date of the film it comes out in 2008 and it's uh, filmed around July 2007. Which Why aren't they just using iPhones? <laughs> exactly. And it's like the iPhone <laughs> would have been out. And I think after like 13 years of iPhones, this kind of footage is more common and more real. So like, um, you know, now that we've got all this constant video recording without dedicated cameras, it, it kind of changes the movie a bit for me. And it makes it more 
I don't know, more believable is, is the right word for it. Um, well, but, I actually wrote in my notes more. It's actually more realistic now because you have to get yes. uh, the idea that T.J. Miller's character HUD is carrying around this camera at one point, trying to scramble across from one building to another without dying, right. and yet yeah. holding a camera in one hand. Mm-hmm. And today, I would be like, "Well, yeah. I mean, everybody's just got their cell phone out, and it, it, it would be more. All you would lose is the we taped over an old tape kind of thing, which yeah. adds a very nice grace note to the movie, but." Other than that, it it does, yeah. It feels like you could make this movie today, and it wouldn't even be weird to have. Why would why are they filming all this? And the answer is, come on, of course they are. Everyone yeah. films Everyone. everything. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. If think, anything, the biggest difference would be that these days the entire movie would be in tall screen mode. Sure, <laughs> well, I think true. Also, video. you would have like uh, four or five viewpoints of everything because right. right. everybody would have their camera. I mean, that was the bit when they were in the tunnel and they're like, "Oh, I think there's a torch on this," rather than everybody just pulling out their iPhones. It's yeah, like, yeah, we've all got torches. <laughs> yeah, maybe not uh, infrared night modes, but yeah, Gene. Well, I believe that. Well, obviously, I am the the Cloverfield virgin. I remember Ooh. when this movie came out and yeah, I have, you know, I'm a kind of a scaredy cat when it comes to scary movies and I, I like monster movies. I have seen a lot of King Kong and Godzilla, but I don't like um, the slasher movies like which this, you know, I I knew this was, you know, having these young people, stupid young people. Right. Um, it's more of a smasher been a slasher but yeah (laughs) it's true um but i was always intrigued of course the poster with the uh the statue of liberty head (laughs) (laughs) and um and also having lived in new york for several years i i wanted to see it and then when you said you were watching it i thought okay You've done this before. You watch Jaws with Jason. Mm-hmm. And you watch Planet of the Apes with Jason. You, <laughs> you can get over your childhood fears and even your your you know adult fears since this didn't come out that long ago. Um, and but I I made a plan which was I was never going to watch it um, except during the daytime, mm-hmm. and I would watch it. You know I would sort of make myself watch at least twenty to thirty minutes at a time. And then take a break. So it's completely the opposite feeling. I, I did try to imagine how I would have felt in the theater. And I'm not sure if I could have stayed for the whole thing. But the um, I liked it a lot. And um, yeah, it just, uh, it, 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 it definitely, as movies go that are um, set in Manhattan, I was pretty impressed with the... Um, Manhattan realism of it, uh, except maybe the subway walk, the little stroll through the tunnel from uh, downtown to midtown um, Mm -hmm. with rats. The rats were real. I mean, (laughs) I've been in the subway many, many times. And if you you don't really want to look too close at what's going on down by the tracks, um, you will see rats. and uh, if the rats are afraid, I like that. <laughs> if the rats are running away, everybody should run. That was pretty funny. Um, also, I spent a lot of time uh, right by that Time Warner Center, which is, in my mind, still relatively new, although it was opened, uh, I think, in 2003. But um, 
I have friends who live in that. That's like right around the corner from Lincoln Center. Uh, they live in that area. I remember the first time I went to New York where I got there at night. I didn't really see it. And then the next morning I walked out and I'm like, whoa, you know, because I think it's 80 stories high and it's those two towers and it's pretty impressive. So I liked that that, that building bit it uh, in a big <laughs> way. Although uh, that, I don't know. I don't know if you can apply the, the standards of realism to a tower sort of tilting over and leaning into another tower without everything totally collapsing. But uh, I like that idea. So yeah. I got out of it what I like from disaster films, which I, I do like, um, seeing beloved landmarks torn up and messed up. But uh, And I was able to take the tension of the you know, what is going to happen to these five stupid, stupid people? <laughs> um, because one, is, you say, you don't, don't really care. I mean, the, the only person I, I think we really get to know as a personality is, is HUD, the cameraman. And, and I love a lot of the little touches that they give him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could, I think by taking breaks it was okay and <laughs> i liked that they didn't show the monster in a big way either because uh you know that that i i thought it was going to have more of that and it it really by giving you that just you know you're on the ground and if you're in one street in manhattan something can really be going on on the next block that you couldn't possibly see but you would hear and possibly see fireworks or fireballs uh striking your neighborhood I'm glad you mentioned disaster movies because I think I think the way that this movie uses different genres is one of the things that is fascinating about it that it is ultimately it's a giant monster movie but it is it is a disaster movie and it's it's almost the thesis of Cloverfield is a giant monster makes a disaster movie right like <laughs> it, that, that you can't like there are so many movies that have been made good ones and bad ones, you know, your Man of Steel's, your Avengers, where cities are are largely destroyed by giant superpowered people and monsters and things. And very rarely in the moment, because they what they mostly want is spectacle, do you get that human level, street level comprehension of of being such a small person in such a large amount of disaster and cloverfield does that um and i I like that cloverfield says yeah you know that when there's a giant thing this is what happens to the people in the city um and and yeah it's it's a it's intense but it's not uh, with the exception of of the um little human-sized parasites or whatever that are running around in the subway tunnels and that kill marlena um, it, it's not a, a slasher movie or a horror movie and there's not really body horror. It's mostly just kind of urban destruction. And I, I just, I, and, and I think that makes it more palatable to me because I don't really love the blood and guts kind of thing, but a super intense running around stuff, flying at you, running away kind of thing that, mm-hmm. that works for me. And this is, this, this movie does that. So, so it's in a genre, you know, I, I like monster movies. I don't like slasher movies. And this movie is, it, you're right, Gene, it is kind of a, I mean, the disaster just keeps on happening in a way that maybe some disaster movies don't, where there's a disaster and people have to get out of it. But but um, maybe that's why I like it so much, is that it's mostly that. 
it borrows just the right amounts of different things so that none of it is too overwhelming and all of it can still be uh, enjoyable. You know, you've got the the towering inferno of it without the, <laughs> oh no, we're literally stuck in this room for 25 minutes. Um, things keep moving and keep moving. Um, you know, I, I like how unsettling all the gunfire and explosions are because gunfire and explosions are unsettling. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that movies have done um, to the detriment of actual reality is is play down the, the visceral experience of hearing those kinds of sounds. Um, I, I like how harsh they are and I like how unsettling they are um, because I think I think too many movies play that down way, way too much. Um, you know, I like how much I hate TJ Miller and how I'm, I'm <laughs> willfully hoping for my audience point of view character to eat it. And when he finally does, I'm so happy. That, that um, was the, that was the one thing I remembered about the movie that he died. So I was just hoping, <laughs> yeah. waiting to get to that point. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, TJ Miller. And then I was like, oh no, he's, he's awful. Right. Like he's, he's coming on to Marlena the whole time. She puts him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got funny lines, but he's if only also she had put him down, Jason. Yeah, if only she, she had. She, she, she. He's got funny lines, but also he's yeah, he's he's awful. They're, and they're all. I mean, talk about the characters. He's that guy. Yeah, he is. He's exactly that guy. And the movie knows he's that guy. Um, yeah. The the uh, we we talked about this character. I I have a line in my notes that says, "Oh my god, all these guys look the same." Like they do. All, yeah, they do. They do. Handsome. I remember in 2008 when a bunch of white people could watch this movie and go, oh, all these people look distinctly different. No, they don't. No, all white people look the same. White, white guys with with uh, with kind of like half beards and, and they're like, hey, everybody. And it's like, which one is this? Is this the brother or the other guy? Or is it another guy? I literally couldn't tell the brothers apart. I'm like, I think one yeah. was slightly blonder. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I and, think one was slightly blander. But th- this actually. is the <laughs> one was slightly more dead. And, and <laughs> you know what? I think okay. I think this movie would be better if the characters were better. Uh, but the characters being kind of blanks or or uh, archetypes, stereotypes, it it it, it it's okay. Like it's okay because <laughs> in the end. Um, they're not that important right like we we the most important thing as we said is that you got to have the one guy rob on a quest to go find beth who he you know that that's the when harry met sally part portion of cloverfield right <laughs> it's really a romance it, um, yes, honestly i, I mean it, it, it kind of i mean because it's like they're friends but then they slept together and then he, it got weird which is i mean literally that is a thing that happens in romantic comedies at least mm-hmm. um and then mm-hmm. but then she leaves and that they it ends kind of that that evening ends badly and then the monster strikes and he gets a phone call and she's trapped mm-hmm. somewhere and and that's that that quest that ridiculous quest it's enough to pull us through the movie and override like i said earlier all of the like why are you doing this you stupid person like in so many horror movies where it's like get out of the house the house is haunted get out of the house right it's like and and everybody else is commenting on how rob is stupid you know uh but they still go but they still go well i mean i I noticed at several points that tj miller uh hud is urged on he's like he's your friend go get him and he's like all right it's like this is why we have the camera with us is because we've been shamed into following this dummy as he as he rushes into it but like again i know enough about these characters to understand why he wants to get from point a to point b and why the sister is there and the the sister's boyfriend or no the sister no, the boy, what is it? The brother's girlfriend tags along. The brother gets crushed on the Brooklyn Bridge, but the brother's <laughs> girlfriend is there, right? Is that right? Yep. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Dead brother's that girlfriend. Is correct. So, 
you know, all she's of, the only she's the only one that we're sure makes it away. Right. Because she yeah. gets in the helicopter. We think. Yeah. So, we, I mean, she gets in the helicopter. That's not a guarantee of success getting in a helicopter. <laughs> let me tell you. So, I, you know, Apparently I, I, I don't not. know. Like, I mean, I remember at the time there was a lot of criticism about this as like, oh, it's just a bunch of pretty, pretty uh, young people in Manhattan. And why do we care about them? And I'm like, you know, I care about them because they're human beings. And beyond that, it, it, yes, it would be better. I, if, I like watching pretty people get killed sometimes. Yeah, That's all. It, it would be better <laughs> if they were more well-drawn characters. But like it, they they serve their purpose. And. You know, I never at any point sit there and thinking, well, boy, this running through the streets of Manhattan while a monster goes by would be much more intense if I knew more about the likes and loves of the people who are running. It's like, no, it's okay. I get it. Yeah, I I think the characters are drawn well enough um, in that. Yes, they are very samey, but that is very much what that generation at that point in our lives were very much like where we were all figuring ourselves out and we were all a mess. And we were all making dumb decisions and also making decisions, you know, post-graduation as to, you know, are we going to go and take that job in Japan kind of thing. Um, Their their personalities are still emerging in terms of who they are as adults. It is it is the last vestiges of their um, of their being, you know, childish young adults. So what you're saying, Moy says, is the Cloverfield is a coming of age movie. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's a coming of age romance. If only somebody lived (laughs) to come of age. I think that that it also is a piece of being that point of view movie with the camera is like. We don't know anything other than is presented in front of us. So for them to sit down and have like a, oh, let me reveal all my backstory, the nuances of my character doesn't really suit it. And like you also see like layers of activity happening the next street over. We don't know what's going on over there. And we see like we don't know anything other than what's directly in front of us. And we can sort of perceive the bigger picture a little bit. And I think that's kind of like sticking with the shtick of the that that found footage sort of movie like we don't even really know anything more at the end we don't get a reveal or a uh explanation we just see what we see it's in front of us so to get too much character development wouldn't really suit it either one of the things i thought um when i was watching it was oh this is all just a bunch of unknown actors playing these people and I vaguely recognized Lizzie Kaplan. And I couldn't remember what from. Uh, but then when I went and looked everybody up, I have seen them all pretty much in other stuff. Um, like uh, Jessica Lucas, who played Lily, she was Tabitha and Gotham for like four seasons or something. And pretty much everyone has been in something. Uh, so it, it they are kind of, they come across very much as blanks. I think because I couldn't even recognize them. I couldn't recognize TJ Miller. <laughs> yeah, um, they, they come across like people that you meet at a party and you're like, Oh, Hey, cool. Yeah. Nice to meet you. You're Dave's friend. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then you forget. Yeah. Yes. No, I won't record a piece to camera for you. Yeah. I mean, you could argue, I guess that them being kind of blanks is, is fine because the point here is just that they're ra- they're just random people who, go through this and they're mm. not special they don't have the secret to right to solving the problem this isn't that <laughs> kind of movie one no my they're father just was random. a scientist they're he just... studied this when i was a child yeah i know wait guys look i found this glowing thing i wonder if it means something no that doesn't happen in this movie but what if we take the glowing thing and put it on top of the ancient spear uh, uh but can i make a, i would like to make a case for hud as a, as a fleshed out <laughs> character and not that guy because 
his friends were that guy, in my opinion, or his so-called friends. Like he's, you know, they care about him, but not, you know, not enough to like stick him with the, they stick him with the, the video camera right in the beginning. And that um, is because Jason, uh, the the boyfriend of Lily, who wants these goddamn wedding testimonial style video, um, which obviously no one's going to edit now. Um <laughs> He, he, you know, Jason's like, hey, Hud, my buddy, why don't you do this? All you have to do, you know how, like at a wedding, I liked how that kept coming up, you know, because there's no wedding in this movie. But uh, when there were a couple of moments, first of all, yes, he was, he wasn't hitting on Marlena, I would say. He was like, he obviously has a crush on her and he wants to, you know, see if he can't get something going, but he, you know, he, he's, he's the nervous guy who doesn't have like the savoir faire of his buddies. And then he, but he has the camera and once he has the camera and once things really, you know, start moving with the disaster monster part of this movie, he has an identity that none of the rest of them have. And he, the camera becomes his best friend. Um, and he is, you get to see things like where he he realizes Marlena saved his life from those spider crabby things. Um, and he, 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 he cares about that, you know, and, and, and she kind of, you know, starts to appreciate him more. He, there's, <laughs> there's that moment where um, he, uh, when they are crossing the roof and he is carrying the camera, they are like saying to him, put down the camera already. <laughs> but he can't because that's the only thing he has now. And he looks at it. That's when he makes his testimonial and says, like, you know, if you're watching this, I'm probably dead or something like that. And sure enough, at the at at his final moment, he has to keep filming. He can't stop. He can't take the camera off of the monster. And I thought maybe the monster will recognize like a kindred spirit. I don't know. And, and pass him <laughs> Hello, over. Hello, fellow monster. Nope. <laughs> Hello, Hud. I can speak now. Yes. We are two outsiders in this world. Let's right? be friends. And then, and then he, he's dead, which shouldn't be a surprise. But the camera is not dead, and it sits there, autofocus, just going back forth, back forth. I like, like that touch. Yeah, that mm-hmm. I thought was like the camera, like going like Hud, Hud, come on, wake up. <laughs> Uh, it's time to keep filming. Hud, Hud, don't leave me here. We're going to have a movie without so, you and me. What, what you're team. saying really is is the camera is a better character than Hud. This is what <laughs> The camera was the star all along. I, 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 I appreciate the defense of Hud, Gene. I'm, I'm not sure I see it. I, 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 it feels like he's kind of ickily making the moves on uh, Marlena in that party scene. And part of that is just me like, oh, boy. Like, it's so awkward. And so, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's just that he's completely incapable. And, you know, I, I you can read it either way. Um, and He, he can gonna, be incapable and skeezy at the same yeah, time. Yeah. And also, you know, give him, <laughs> got to give him credit. A uh, lot of funny lines with HUD. I yeah. I like the when he's like, oh, it's also that, that is also terrible. He says at several points, yes. I go, that something terrible there. <laughs> uh, and, equally terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's equally. that. The, there's some very good uh, commentary that we get a little bit meta yeah. about what's going on. And then, you know, full credit to him, too. He's the only character in this movie who literally gets gets eaten by the monster or killed by the monster directly. 
Um, yeah. Very impressive to get killed directly yeah. by the monster. But um, I mean, he yeah. is also the one that goes around the party saying, Beth and Rob had sex. Yeah. Beth and yes. Rob had sex. <laughs> yeah. So, so I agree. Oh. I kind of overlooked that. And I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have. That's the, the, the when Harry met Sally with monsters. So this, this I want to mention the party. Because one of the things that I think really, this is a machine. This is this is a well-oiled machine at, at 85 minutes. Um, they know what they're mm-hmm. going to do. And one of the things I had forgotten about this is how long that party is. Mm-hmm. The party is the only chance we really get bef- in the before time to establish who these characters are at all before we know the monster rampaging is going to begin. And I... And it goes on a long time. And in fact, for a movie that I'm going to say is, I think, brilliantly paced and and really pulls you along, it kind of goes on, you could argue, I think, a little too long, but there's so much invested in it in terms of the setup. And I think most importantly, it goes on long enough that when the monster stuff starts to happen, it actually feels like a shock. Whereas if mm-hmm. it had started sooner, you wouldn't have had you're going to see a monster movie. It's trying to make you forget at least a little bit that it's a monster movie and make you think it is a romantic comedy or something like that so that it can get you when it shifts gears. And I really appreciated it this time that like it would not be as breathtaking a moment when everything changes if that opening scene had not been as long as it was. I don't know if other people, I mean, I could see the argument that was too long, but like, I love that moment where it's like, Oh, right. Monster movie. Right. I would like to have gone into the film not knowing anything about the film, yeah. because I think you yeah, know the, the 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 whole um, like even the teaser trailer has the whole uh, Statue of Liberty head, right? You know, coming down moment, and I and I think that's one of the better moments in the film. And I would like to have gone into it not knowing anything at all, uh, and then I think, as you say, the fifteen minutes or whatever we have a party before it turns into a monster movie i think would have been much more uh much more impactful it had been uh long enough since i had seen it that i had kind of forgotten who was in it and seeing lizzie kaplan for the first time and we go oh yeah lizzie kaplan is in this i remembered tj miller was in it because how could i not um because he's an infuriating person uh, <laughs> at the time i literally didn't know who any of these people were right i, yeah. I was like oh that yeah. was tj miller oh okay that yeah. was lizzie I kaplan still don't, to yeah. be honest <laughs> yeah uh but it, it was it was kind of nice going through that party sequence not remembering exactly who i'm going to continue following mm-hmm. and i was like somebody dies on the bridge i think it's one of the guys that looks the exact same as yeah. each other <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> I marked it, and actually, that's where I pause. Is when they first like realize something is going on. It's like eighteen minutes into the yeah. movie, which isn't very long, except that the movie is only eighty right. minutes or less, um, uh, without credits, shorter even. But I didn't mind the party. I guess part of me was like, since I was dreading watching it a bit oh, man. Um, i hope this is I mostly thought, party <laughs> I, I was like look at that i got through one quarter of the movie and i'm not even like freaked out yet you know i because there's nothing in the party that makes you think something terrible is going to happen like no. right in the middle of that you know it is just a you know bland uh 20 somethings get together in uh loft in Manhattan situation with really nothing to do or talk about except uh, they drink and somebody had sex. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it probably also means that that 18 minutes was a lot cheaper to film than oh, yeah. the rest of the movie. So yeah. they only needed to do like 60 odd minutes of special effects. I, I noticed there are moments where you get um, pauses in the, it, like for pacing, I really do think that that's the, one of the brilliant things about it is that the movie's got its moments where it sort of shifts gears. There's the, the shot where they're, um, they're all, everybody's like uh, looting TVs and stuff out of the electronic store and he goes in there to get a phone mm-hmm. battery. And, you know, we're in there partially to see the tv report of what's going on which is a way to show kind of like a broader context in that in that moment it's a nice little way of introducing Mm -hmm. that in there but even in that scene it made me laugh tj miller says something like um rob can we leave the electronics store now (laughs) (laughs) i think we i think we should leave here and run away now and i like that and there's the moment of kind of calm when they get to the it's like an employee break room in the subway uh, where there's the vending yes, machine that they pry open. Yes. Yes. Right. Like a vending machine. Mm-hmm. I like, I like those, you know, those are interspersed enough to give you not only as those, those are cheaper to shoot the conversations that of human beings, right? Like cheaper to shoot <laughs> mm-hmm. and also gives the audience a little bit of a time uh, to, to yeah. catch their breath before more, uh, but just bizarre stuff begins to happen. Yeah. I did uh, notice in the credits that, there were three times the number of stuntmen as there were people, you know, who played the role of quote party guest. So, so party was definitely cheaper to shoot. And I was, then I was like, what stunts did they do really? But I'd have to go back and think about it. Well, there's a lot of explosions of windows and like the drugs, they go to the drugstore, which I really like that. That's sort of our first really real moment where the, the buildings come down and the, and the the dust and smoke and debris is coming down the 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 street, and they which is very evocative. That's one of those nine eleven direct mm-hmm. referencing shots. And they run into the the uh, drugstore to to hide, and people are running by, and people are running in, and then you know the windows shatter and stuff blows in, and all that. There's a lot of you know people running around with debris falling on them. I think is where the where the stunt people are. The head of the Statue of Liberty goes by. By the way. I think it's not the right size, but it, you know, it's it's very it's cool. It, it's a it's a cool moment, and it's it obviously was the teaser trailer and the poster and all of those things. But I think I don't think the head mm-hmm. is that small, right? Is it? I, that's I did think it was like it's got to be bigger, right? I think people can go up in the in in the head, and that looked like yeah. a very would have been a very snug unless that's it's like true. a TARDIS or something. I think you can go up inside the no. My my head cannon, by the way, and it's it's literally head cannon. Is that uh, the, it, <laughs> that head was off of a replica statue of Liberty somewhere else in the city? Because um, that was Cloverfield's first thing to do. The monster is like eight heads on statues. <laughs> <laughs> he shrunk it before he threw it. Yeah, or shrink ray, uh, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Or, or, or just in its mouth, you know, like crushed it a mm-hmm. little bit. And yeah. per- keeping perfect shape. Yeah. Um, now, according to IMDb, so take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> it's shown 50% larger than actual size. Huh. They said the trailer, people complained that the head looked too small. And I definitely remember that feeling the first time I went, you know, in a ferry across to Staten Island and saw the Statue of Liberty and I said I thought it would be bigger yeah like it's bigger in our imagination than it is in real life but also also I agree that people can go up there so I'm not sure how that works it's hard to see it in context it's in the street right and so I think some of it may be in the street with people in front of it that it it reads maybe as smaller than it actually is if it's filling up most of the width of a street in Manhattan right that's actually 
potentially pretty pretty large. It's a it's mm-hmm. a great moment though, and that that is, I obviously that was on J.J. Abrams' little sketch pad or something where he was like <laughs> Statue of Liberty head, right? Like I'll do that. <laughs> that's going to be a big shot in the movie. That's going to get everybody talking. We got to put it in the movie. <laughs> Um, another thing that, that, uh, was a little touch that I noticed this time that I enjoyed was maybe it erupted from an ocean trench is one of the bits of Mm -hmm. speculation here. Um, and I thought that was, uh, fun because that's a reference to other, uh, monster origin stories and 20,000 fathoms. Yeah. And then, and, and then the movie that I think about oftentimes in, in sort of comparison to Cloverfield, the specific rim where that's the premise too, which was later, it was five years later, um, but also a giant monster movie and a giant robot movie, to be fair. It's a different kind of movie. Have you read um, any of the the sort of ARG stuff that went on around the movie? Um, Because there's a bunch of things, like apparently this is all about soft drinks. Mm -hmm. The slusho drink contains the nectar, which some Japanese mining corporation is uh, mining. And this you know they disturb the monster etc etc i gather what in in the in the film the only piece of evidence we have about the origin of the monster at all is the last shot of the film which is the footage that was taped over because the the kind of one of those touching things that's also really used very effectively for moments of drama where you cut away from the how do you cut away from a found footage drama and the answer is they're taping over another tape that is uh the uh rob and Beth on their At one their one magical day in Coney Island. Um, and the last shot is them up on the Ferris wheel in Coney Island and in the background something comes out of the sky and lands splashes in the water. So and, the 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 ARG connection to that is that that's that's a satellite that crashed and the satellite crashing is what awoke the baby uh, clover monster um, in the depths uh, right. and and disturbed it. But all we know um, is from watching the film is look, ooh, that's right. That, that is was that the monster? Was that what caused all of this? They don't know. We don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, similar to Lost, um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they, they sort of had some things figured out, but they didn't have everything figured out to the point that the Cloverfield paradox, which was originally a movie called The God Particle and had nothing to do with Cloverfield was had a, a a thing retrofitted on the end of it that made these Cloverfield movies part of a multiverse. And part of what happens in that Cloverfield paradox movie is what um, is what inserts these monsters into different realities, mm-hmm. including this one here, including the 10 Cloverfield lane one. Um, and presumably the other vaporware uh, future yes. Cloverfield untitled stuff. <laughs> Cloverfield project. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I wanted to uh, ask everybody about is so Marlena, we d- we do the 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 body horror uh, monster your like uh, slashery kind of stuff comes mostly from these little well they're not little they're human sized but they're like parasites that fall off of or 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 fleas or something that fall off of <laughs> of of the monster and then they're in the subway and the rats are running away and and there's that moment where. Finally, he says, turn on the infrared on the camera, which is my old my old camcorder had that feature. And then it's very effective because then you see that there are monsters on the ceiling yes. and they attack yeah. them. And she gets really horribly, gruesomely uh, bitten. And she's not she's not doing great, but she keeps going. And anybody who's seen any movie with uh, something like <laughs> Alien or really anything like this is like, is she is she fine? Is she really fine? And then um, which leads to that 
kind of amazing moment where they are picked up by the army people and they see her and they're like, we have a bite and they freak out and they take her away and she's like behind a curtain and uh, uh, explodes. So, you know, uh, that that is, I think interesting because it's not it's like it's from another movie i mean it's part of this movie obviously but i th- I think it's an interesting digression into honestly less of my kind of thing but um i like that it throws that in there too it's like oh just just when you thought it was a giant monster it's also very small monsters that are a, a, a problem for all of our characters and, and they do explode her behind a sheet so it's not yes. like <laughs> something in alien you would have seen her explode right no, I, I think it's very effective when we see the silhouette where they're like, oh, what, what's going on back there? Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, take yeah. him away. Take him away, boys. She just exploded. Uh, um, love the shot of the horse and buggy Wa- going yes. down the street. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Amazing. Just urban, um, just urban confusion. I mean, I'm I'm not going to recap the plot because the plot is there's a monster and people run around and do a bunch of stuff <laughs> yeah. and then they die and that that's about it. Um, any any thoughts that I, you've I'm, got that you want to bring I, up? This would be a good I like time. the I like the open you know the open threads of Lily gets away in a helicopter and and apparently you know it got validated after the fact by J J Abrams going yeah yeah she didn't die she's fine. Uh, okay great <laughs> maybe maybe. Maybe um, people shouldn't be that unclear as to something uh-huh. as simple as did someone get away. Um, but, you know, I, I was pretty I was pretty solid on the fact that she got away. Um, and also the implication seems to be that Rob and Beth did actually survive. But if they did actually survive and they've now waited 13 years to do a sequel, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the end of Kong Skull Island. Are we going to see those characters from the 1970s again 40 years later? recast i I don't think they survived because i don't think they that hammer down protocol and the sirens they're basically flattening the whole place um it starts with that phrase what used to be central park in that opening role so So, i was like no they're dead and such a great laying that down right which is like what you're gonna see uh is is you know they basically they didn't survive this (laughs) which i mean yeah they could (laughs) you could fake it and if you want to do an actual cloverfield sequel you could say oh no but they did survive apparently their plan was they wanted it to seem like they definitely died, but leave it open to the fact that they possibly could have yeah, I, uh, survived sure. because at the very end of the credits, there is that very soft, garbled, help us, help us, um, <laughs> that you hear uh, That's true. from Rob. So, yeah, That's whatever true. their plans were, well, those plans are over now, yeah. I think. Yeah, but I... I laying it down and saying this is this is recovered in what used to be central park formerly central park it's just such a great moment of like okay yeah all right like i like that the movie is saying i know as you're watching you're going to hope for everybody to survive or for somebody to survive but but the movie really is saying they're not going to make it and even if somebody does make it it's going to be a surprise because you you go in reminding i find myself constantly reminding myself right in the end this you know this is found later by the government so don't don't get your hopes up Uh, i like that i think one of the things i liked um was that it 
never answers your questions because I find as soon as like for me, a lot of the times something's like it's scary, it's scary, it's scary. And then it stops being scary as soon as you have the explanation of what's going on. Right. And so like, oh, now I know the ghost. This is why the ghosts are there. Or now I know why this is why the monsters are there. And then you stop. It stops being scary to me and turns into a different kind of movie. So I think it stayed like not scary. I don't. I didn't find it scary per se, per se, but like intriguing and puzzling. Right. And even at the end, I'm still like str- scrambling to try and figure out like what happened. And I like that they didn't tell us anything and just sort of left it like that. And uh, yeah, it's just I feel it makes it more rewatchable. And maybe I actually will rewatch it and, like, again I, more I, often <laughs> because you could be like looking for like little more nuggets. Because I think if it's not in the movie. I don't care what they say outside of the movie. Right. It's like if that's not in the movie, you haven't you haven't really explained anything to me. I agree. So the, the, the vagueness, the vagueness helps. And it's it's why one of the two alternate endings has, you know, like an army guy fishing them out of rubble, basically, is the implication. And they just sliced that out. And otherwise, the ending is is the way that it was mm-hmm. um, them being more definitive than they are in the movie itself. Like, I don't care about seeing any of these characters again later. Right. But, I'm not invested in no. them. That's kind of the point. No, I, I'm more wondering. OK, so J.J. Abrams make, has made a career out of the the mystery box movies and and TV shows mm-hmm. and and uh, to varying degrees of quality, I would say, like it's a move of his. And what I like about this is that this is not a mystery box, right? Like his <laughs> his delight in certain storytelling techniques and his wannabe Spielberg. And I know he didn't write or direct it, but he he was the kind of motivating factor behind it. And these are all people in J.J. Abrams' orbit. Um, this is more of the Spielberg Jaws thing uh, than the, the Daddy Issues mystery box thing. And I like that <laughs> because... The point of Cloverfield is not, why is there a monster, right? It's just not. Mm-hmm. And and you can look at it and be like, I wonder why there's a monster. And what does that monster look like? And are they going to succeed at killing the monster? And there's a moment where they attack the monster and they're looking down at it on the helicopter and the monster sort of bellows like, I'm in so much pain. And I thought, oh man, they're even giving us the scene that makes us question whether we're the monsters <laughs> and not the <laughs> monster, which is like a staple of monster movies. And I love that about it. But in the end, why this happened is not the point. And I love that because Annette, you're right. The more you ask the mystery, you know, make it about solving the mystery and answering the question, the less good it is when you find out the answer. And it's just not the point in this movie at all. And so if I, my, all my questions coming out of it are like, yeah, I mean, where'd the monster come from? But it's also like, did they kill the monster? What was society like after they destroyed Manhattan? Are there other monsters? Like I can have questions like that. I I care a lot less about like these particular four, five people because, you know, obviously all of Manhattan is going to get flattened here. But um, I do. That's that. Anyway, that's one of the things I like about it is this is not a mystery. This this is just (laughs) suffice it to say there's a monster. There's something great about that. I I think one of the things is that the movie to me is more successful the less you see of the actual monster. Mm-hmm. So like the yeah. early on stuff where it's just like there's a bit of an arm or the, or something and you don't really know what you're dealing with, it's much more of an effective threat than mm-hmm. a when you have the little dog spider things or you actually see the full-on <laughs> monster. Because I 
I don't know if it's me. I don't actually like the design of the main monster that much. Um, <laughs> it, it's fine. It does the trick. It squishes people in an appropriate manner or it's, bites them in half. It feels but, like a monster designed to not ever be seen in, in total, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it yeah. feels it's like a like, monster that's all about having creepy parts that you could see. <laughs> you don't want to see it in daylight at 6 a.m., you know, as you get it at the end of the movie, um, you want this thing to be completely in the dark. And, you know, it, it's a lot more effective when you're just seeing silhouettes and, and bits like that. Yeah. Well, I want to uh, just give a plug for Lily and her her three inch heels. I didn't <laughs> yes. really yeah. notice I them. I think about that until a lot. They, I didn't really see them. I, there was probably a shot of them before, but before I cared, like, you know, but by the time they're in Bloomingdale's um, and I see she's got these shoes on, I'm like, wait, <laughs> you yeah. can't run through the tunnels of the New York City subway. You can't she run did. anywhere in New York City with those shoes on. And I thought that's that's the the penalty for being such a that's, yuppie. That's why she survived. Yeah, yeah just actually, good at, good at running it works heels. for her. I really wanted her to replace the shoes at some point, but yeah. at right. the same time, I I literally spent a lot of time going, what, "What would I? What shoes would I be wearing? Would I have like stopped to change my shoes on the way out the door? Because I think it was her apartment. Would I? It's like the whole time, like how would I solve the shoe problem if this were me <laughs> and I was stuck well, in these heels? Because that's a bad idea. I mean, she was in Bloomingdale's, and I think... I know, she could have swapped it. Rob uh, helped himself in the electronics store. Unfortunately, the the level they were on was probably just all perfume. No, shoes are usually on the first floor, too. She could have done uh, Romancing the Stone style and cut the heels off, which we we know won't work. But they just hack the heels off. If I'm being terrible, I would say just take some shoes off one of the dead people that you catch on the journey. Right? Just like steal some shoes. I was going to say that a a different movie would have a scene where they um, smash open a footlocker or something and and put on some sneakers. (laughs) I I also felt it was almost like like a mistake that they shot it. I'm not sure whether it was or not, but like we go a long time with this kind of we can imagine that she's go she she has better shoes or whatever and then there's that one shot that lingers on her feet and you're like oh look at those heels like what what happened um i I don't know like it made me start to say really has she been going in heels this whole time but i guess she has her feet should be like ripped up raw from wearing those shoes yeah that maybe maybe they are that's the true Horror. Like, like if you can survive getting a bit of rebar <laughs> stuck through your shoulder and keep going. Yeah, that was... <laughs> some I some mean, heel problems. Yeah. She, uh, at first he's like carrying her and I'm thinking she's lost a lot of blood and she practically is dead. And then the next thing is like they're running. And I'm like, even people with all their blood can't yeah. run like these guys are running. They did bind her wound or something. But yeah, I had that same moment, which is like, again, it's a giant monster movie. I guess we got all... That's a very... Talk about it, a very effective moment. That's the moment where um, HUD sets down the camcorder. Yes. And so you get that static shot after all of this. I mean, every time the camera goes down, it is one of those moments where it's like, whoa, there's no shaky cam for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then she's... I don't feel nauseous anymore. Yeah, and she's and she's behind a piece of furniture, so you can't see. You can just yeah. sort of see the corn, like her legs and stuff, as they lift her off of the rebar. Yes, it's a that's a that's a really effective shot. I like that shot yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's like a big block of concrete slab, and I was like, oh, thank goodness! Like, 
because I thought this movie was going to be gorier, to be honest. Like, it definitely had some blood and some, you know, there was the one point where he says, oh, don't look at that. And I'm like, okay, I won't. won't." (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I did, you know, I I, I disciplined myself. I did not rewind anything, you know, even though in certain parts I was like, oh, I want to see that again. But, you know, I'll probably rewatch it. Again, during the daytime. During the daytime. Like 10 very bright day. I was thinking about how this movie would be different if it were made today. And one of yeah. the things is something that was brought up very early on, which is um, I, I actually think it would be more effective in some ways. If they do another movie like this, uh, having cell phones and having cell phone footage and stuff would be an interesting way to do it. However, I also thought you could make this movie without losing much. Other than the the sort of uh, superposition of the um, thing you're taping over in Coding Island, which is providing you with a little bit of pacing and a little bit of wistfulness for the their one perfect day, um, you could make this movie like 1917, where you're you're in a single shot, uh, you know, quote unquote, single shot, following people around. And I thought it would be just as effective, I think. I think it would be just as effective to have an omniscient camera following people as they go down the stairs and all of that. Um, I don't think I think the shaky cam has its moments. I think that moment when you when you go off of shaky cam and set the camera down is very um, strong. But I also thought uh, I don't think this basically I don't think this movie would have to be a found footage movie to be effective because I think you could do it like something like 1917. I mean, you wouldn't have to have the conceit of all one continuous shot, but you could. And that if I was pitching on a Cloverfield sequel and they're like, I want to direct this. I don't, I'm not qualified. (laughs) Don't hire me to be your director. (laughs) I would pitch something like that because I think that that would be, um, I think that would actually maybe be a little less queasy making and still be super intense. So I don't know. That was, that was what I was thinking. Um, There aren't, I mean, there aren't that many found footage movies anyway. This was a, this was a trend that's kind of come and gone a little bit, but I don't think it would need to be to be successful. I agree with that. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I, I am someone, if I had seen it in the theater, I, like James, would have felt sick. I I get very not. Na- I got nauseous at the Kira Knightley Pride Prejudice because they had a lot of handheld stuff. And it was like, <laughs> that one made me sick. And it's not an action movie. So I definitely would have <laughs> been having a hard time. So yeah, I couldn't watch that in the theater. So it's it would have probably part of why I didn't go in the theater and it, it it just it becomes a barrier i think to like making it like getting people out and it also is a little bit gimmicky so it's like it's fine to use it sometimes but going to that too many times like you're just like well we've kind of already done this so yeah it's right. a bit gimmicky my other pitch would be that it's found footage but it's found footage from multiple perspectives and this is the mm-hmm. government document that's been cut together of like this is our best guess about what happened in this incident and, yeah. and do it like that um, as opposed to, to this but I don't know I, I think it would be cool if it was it, it doesn't need to be in the camera in T.J. Miller's hands for it to be effective although it is effective that way it, it's effective because it means you don't see T.J. Miller sure <laughs> and then you do occasionally and you're like whoa there it's that guy also he didn't yeah. have to work as hard as the rest of the people on this movie because he, he only had he to be wasn't on even set holding the camera for most of the time yeah exactly yeah, I think if, if they were to do a direct sequel to this if they want to come up with a gimmick cool but don't do it for the sake of having a gimmick um, I'm perfectly fine with them doing a straight ahead 
you know, prestige level, big budget monster movie and, and leaving the gimmicks behind in this first movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's and when I say something like 1917, I realize that's a gimmick too, but I'm just sort of thinking of the ultimate form of you're not, mm-hmm. you're, you want to be in, in with the people you want to have those shaky cam, honestly, you know, although it could be also a steady cam, but like you want to be going down those stairwells and d- diving into the doorway of the convenience store as the explosions are happening behind you. Like you want to be there. I don't think you necessarily have to have it be found footage for you to yeah. to do that um which is not to say I think, that i don't I th- dislike found footage movies i was thinking about the found footage movies that i like and there are two that i like a lot and it's this one and, and chronicle which was a few years later um okay. but but mostly i you know i i find the found footage like okay we're doing this and it's like it's fine but I, it, it's gimmicky and i'm not sure it's necessary in most cases for me the the question is if you're going to do a follow-up to this movie um and you're going to do it you know, like a straight ahead blockbuster. Um, how is it going to not be like Pacific Rim two, which was terrible? Um, how is it not going to be, you know, just alike the the monster verse movies that they've just, you know, done four of over at Warner Brothers? Um, what is it that's gonna make this stand apart? And and I think I think it isn't as simple as just going, okay, this is the gimmick this time. Um, and, and I like that the two Cloverfield offshoot movies that have come since have been distinctly different kinds of things. Sure. Um, you know, and, and I think, I think being okay with doing something different is, um, is, is really the way to go. I'm trying to think what would be the sequel I'd want. Cause I, I don't actually want, I don't know if I want one. to be a monster movie. I was like, maybe it would be like Jason said earlier, where you're actually picking through the rubble and seeing what happens. And that becomes a different kind of movie entirely. Like that's a whole different set of genres where you're sort of like seeing the ramifications, but I don't think I want another movie that's trying to be this version too. Here's my pitch. Here's my pitch is, okay. is you do aliens. And so yeah, you're in the rubble sure. of New York after the Operation Hammer Down, <laughs> and <laughs> there's there's those parasite monsters, and maybe the maybe the Cloverfield monster has like laid some eggs, and you're in the mm-hmm. rubble. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a story there about like after this is over. Um, that's that's yeah. my pitch. But the other way would go would be like, what if we do another movie where? a monster destroys a city and we try to make it visceral and down on the ground level. And because it worked well in Cloverfield and like, is it saying something more? Well, you put some spins on it, but like in the end, what makes Cloverfield great is that it is, is trying to realistically, you know, asterisk depict what it would be like to be down on the ground when a monster is destroying your city. Uh, Just in terms of the, the, shooting style, I, I was thinking of children of men, which had that kind of, handheld but not right. necessarily a, a physical camera that is being moved around and it also had the sort of the long continuous action sequence in it and that would be i think a good model for how you could do it with the sort of as you say like the 1917 style right yeah yeah i think i, I think ripping off aliens is the is the is the take man clover <laughs> fields would, no. clover's field <laughs> Clover's <laughs> field. Clover's Clover's fields. And and you just call the film that, like Clover apostrophe s space. Field. Ah. <laughs> uh, no, I see. I I see. Uh, you know, sort of a parallel development, just with, as with Escape from New York, they go to L.A. and then they have like a whole other genre of frivolous people, and a whole mm. 
different story. Destroying a different yet. city. Uh, but and 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 oh man, you could have gone. like freeway scenes and stuff in in the LA yeah. version. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now you you've got to do one like go to somewhere exotic, you know, uh, another another country outside the U.S. Perhaps um, Cairo. Yeah. We could destroy the pyramids. Well, James, what you what you're missing is that our Cloverfield sequel set in Los Angeles will be shot in Glasgow, of course. <laughs> well, <laughs> much like Matt Reeves' current film, The Batman. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Okay, overall, I would like to go around and ask everybody overall final thoughts uh, about visiting or revisiting this movie. Um, And I will start by saying, as I did at the beginning, I love this movie in 2008. I watched it again. I said, yeah, I still love this movie. I love that it's intense. I, I don't care about the characters that much, but I care enough about them as human beings to, you know, follow along. And I really do love the premise that this is urban destruction for a generation of people who witnessed urban destruction and know how devastating it can be to take that and couple it with a giant monster movie. I just think it's spectacularly effective and um, and and well done. So I I haven't seen it since 2008 and I watched it last night and I still think it's a great movie, great little movie, fun and pacey and uh, and worth watching. Um, Annette, what did you think overall? I actually, I also really liked it. I had my memory. I was like, yeah, I think it was fine. And I watched it again and I liked it more. And I don't know why it's just hit me differently. I do think it was really effective at giving you a feel of being on the street, that sense of confusion. You don't know what's happening because you wouldn't know what was happening. And you'd have to like all these things going on you try to piece it together and i i really like how they just stuck with that i think unless they go like your direction of doing uh cloverfield to like aliens i don't think i want a direct sequel to it because i think it is i i I like when things are self-contained like this and i think again if you picked apart the mystery too much in the next movie uh i i just wouldn't be as interesting so i think Keep this as a nice little gem all on its own, and let's just rewatch it once in a while. By the way, trivia, um, at one point, the movie, the John Krasinski-directed movie, A Quiet Place, was going to be a Cloverfield movie. Oh. And they decided see that it doesn't need to be, and it was a great success on its own. But <laughs> I think that's really interesting. Like, can we shoehorn this into the, nah, let's not, let's not. Uh, James, any final thoughts from you? Um, well, because I was watching this sitting at a suitable distance from the ah, screen. Yes. This Smaller time, screen, too. <laughs> I could, Smaller screen. I could actually uh, enjoy it more. Um, I didn't remember very much other than T.J. Miller dying, which was clearly the most important <laughs> thing in my head. Um, the the I don't know if it's like because I'm older or, you know, the current situation that we're all living in at the moment, but I think the film made me anxious in a way that I hadn't really expected. You know, it's a it's silly monster movie or whatever, but it, there was a, an amount of realism that I had hit yeah. me more than it mm-hmm. hit me back then when I saw it. Um, and yeah, I mean, the people were more annoying than I remembered as well. But it was it was overall good. Um, I would see another of these. I mean, I have seen like sort of first person perspective films, which are kind of like mostly gimmick. Um, but I, I, yeah, it, it was it was more enjoyable than I was uh, I was expecting. All right, Gene, what do you think? First timer. Um, I first timer. I liked it. I 
Um, I think it is a gem. I, I would call it that, you know, and I mean, we certainly, uh, you know, picked apart a few things that, you know, were easy to pick apart, but to all together, I like it. It's short, um, because it's one cassette on a DV camera. And I think that I didn't know that. So I, you know, I, I think I would have watched it sooner if I had realized that, it kind of had a built-in ending. And I do like that feeling of like, this is what would it would feel like. There are a couple of things that I, I think could have been slightly more realistic in, in the sense of, I think people who had experienced 9-11, when something like that is going down, when it first you know becomes clear something really bad is happening, you don't stand there and wait for the smoke to start, you know, yeah. or the the dust and debris or the buildings to fall. Like they they could have they could have made their way out of that first street much faster. I didn't really understand that, um, but I liked that it did give me that that ground level feeling. As you know, a former resident, I was already in my head saying, "This is where I would go," you know. And it would not be the Brooklyn Bridge. Hell no. Like, <laughs> bridge seemed like a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> bridge, it's like, it was, any bridge you know, in a disaster movie is going to come down. Any down. bridge in a disaster movie is a bad but idea. But what a beautiful thought, historic place to die horribly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, 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 other. I think Godzilla got that bridge too in the, in the most, not the most recent Godzillas, but the most recent Roland Emmerich Godzilla. And, uh, but uh, yeah, if you want to know, I decided I would go down to the Hudson River and try to sort of make my way up the island with no bridges, you mm. know, get up to Riverside or uh, um, Washington Heights where monsters never go. All right. Uh, Gene McDonald's uh, New York evacuation monster plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I have that plan now. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you for putting this on and uh, luring me to watch yet another movie that has always been on my wow my scary list. We should, we should collaborate more so I can I can sort of virtually hold your hand as we watch a movie that you're scared of. <laughs> it helps. It helps a lot Good. to know you have somebody you know is going to help you talk about yeah, it afterwards. Afterward, the, the, the therapy that's required after the <laughs> horrible traumatic thing. Uh, uh, Moises, any final thoughts from you? Well, you know, I, I've been thinking, you know, if if they're going to do something with this that they haven't done already, they, they kind of answered what the whole deal is to some extent with the, the tacked on bit in Cloverfield Paradox. And if they didn't do, you know, space marine aliens type stuff, I mean, the movie's already a coming of age drama. It's already a romance. It's already checked so many boxes suspense horror all that kind of stuff you know what it hasn't done is sports so i think cloverfield <laughs> versus the mighty ducks could be a big hit on disney plus um i yeah i i don't need another movie uh, uh like this because the 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 gimmick and the setup is such that it stands in contrast to the aforementioned <clears throat> emmerich godzilla movie um the mainline Toho legendary MonsterVerse movies, uh, the Pacific Rim movies as they were, um, even, you know, the rebooted with the help and uh, apparently overbearing advice of China Independence Day franchise. 
Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how they do something different. And the fact that I don't know that doesn't mean that they don't have an idea and that there isn't a plan uh, and a concept. But especially since the Pacific Rim movies have played with this, you know, the 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 membrane between realities kind of thing. Um, and the MonsterVerse has done, you know, similar kind of quantum physics defying stuff. Um, I, yeah, I wonder what they can do that is different enough that doesn't, again, require the Mighty Ducks um, <laughs> to to come in and make it a sports movie or something. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the, the real solution is for this to be left behind in J.J. Yeah. Abrams to take that that uh, that deal with Warner Brothers and and make a Metroid franchise um you know about an about an outer space creature <laughs> thing and finding interesting ways to uh to to do stuff with a game franchise that itself was ripped off of Alien. <laughs> I, I have to be honest, um, I don't understand why this was a, ever considered a franchise in the beginning. It's such a strange choice. Yeah. I think that in the end it's not really a franchise so much as it is sort of a a folder that J.J. Abrams can put movie development in and maybe use the name to get a little more attention on some movies, but then not others. And I would be fine if it just sort of rested because, um, and, and if they did do a sequel, I would be intrigued by that because I do love this movie. But, you know, the other movies, you can judge them on their own. I tried to watch The Cloverfield Paradox and it was unwatchable. I turned it off very quickly. It was bad. It um, was very bad. That's why they dumped it on Netflix on Super Bowl Sunday. It mm-hmm. wasn't very good. But um, but that doesn't change, you know, franchise or not, it doesn't change the, the originating movie. And, and uh, you know, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed revisiting it. So thanks to you all for joining me to revisit Cloverfield. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, once more around to say goodbye, Annette Weirstra, thank you. Thank you for coming along with me, and I'm still not going to rescue any of you. Yeah, that's fair. That's just run. run. Just run and not yeah. to a bridge. Apparently down the Hudson River. That's right. We're following Gene. <laughs> James Thompson, thank you. I, I'm just going to wait here under this bridge until uh, this passes. Gene McDonald, <laughs> look, a helicopter. <laughs> Uh, I think they should remake it with five podcasters. <laughs> and Moises, no. We just have an audio log. And Moises, Chuyan, no, the, the bridge cable is, no, get out of the way. You know, that Giacchino uh, roar uh, overture over the credits is, is it's a banger. It's a banger. Yeah. Oh, we got a bite. <laughs> <laughs> There's no music in this movie because it's found footage, but they got Giacchino to write a... Uh, a score for the end credits which are very long uh, like 12 minutes long so the movie is Mm -hmm. that much shorter (laughs) it's not really 85 minutes Uh, anyway thank you to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable we will see you next time